back for the third episode of the Monroe's Ice Podcast. We only took off about, what, five weeks? But we're back and better than ever. We had the holidays come up, we had a few technical difficulties, we were all on break, so we just decided to take a little time away. Uh, But now we're back and better than ever, and we actually have a better way for everyone to listen to our podcast now. So if you didn't really have a great way to listen to the show before, from here on out, all of these podcast episodes will be available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and then eventually it will be on Apple Podcasts. It's just going to take it a little bit more time. But through the help of the Anchor app, uh, we've been able to distribute the podcast more effectively. So if you don't have a podcast listening app, I would highly recommend going to the App Store and looking up Anchor. It's a great app, and uh, we'll actually talk a little bit more about it later uh, when we talk about what we're going to be doing in the future of the show. But I'm your host, Andrew Monroe, and I'm here with my co-host and father, Kenton. So are you ready to get started today? I'm ready to do this. Awesome. So for the first time, we're going to start off with this new segment. It's going to be called Sports Shoutouts. And what we'd like to do is just introduce each show by talking about anything sports related that comes to mind and just shout it out. It can be anything from something funny uh, to something serious, but we just want to keep it going. So that way we can give a few things we might not talk about in depth in the show a little bit of recognition. So I'm going to start off with my first shout out and I'm going to shout out Atlanta United. They just won the MLS Cup playoff in their second season unbelievable record. They were a game away from having the best record uh, in MLS history. And then, like I said, their second year, they ended up winning the playoffs. So that's very impressive. Tata Martino, their coach, is moving on, uh, but he did a lot of great things for the organization. So the future is still bright for this very young soccer team. And as far as my first shout out, uh, anybody that knows me, sarcasm is definitely my middle name. Uh, My first shout out would actually go to the Charlotte Hornets, It was my first ever game in Charlotte, and they were able to go on a 7-0 run against the Dallas Mavericks to close within 38 points, which avoided their worst franchise home loss in team history. So a little shout-out to the Hornet backups that did not make that night quite as memorable for me. My second shout-out is going to go to my favorite NFL team, the Indianapolis Colts. They started the season 1-5. Closed the game or closed the season rather, winning nine out of ten straight games, and now they are playing the Texans in the playoffs. They clinched the wild card spot when they beat the Titans. Andrew Luck is also still undefeated against the Titans, so I'm excited to see what my Colts can do in the playoffs. And my second shout out is going to be a little advance. I'm going to shout out to the Kansas City Chiefs in advance for dethroning the New England Patriots in the AFC. Uh, just a little prediction. So go Chiefs. My last shout-out is going to go to Justin Fields, quarterback at Georgia, who is going to go ahead and transfer to the University of Ohio State. He's making a decision to carry on the legacy up there. I assume that means he's thinking Haskins is going to go pro. So I'm curious to see what Dwayne Haskins does in light of Justin Fields showing up. I know he's appealing right now to try and get that year of eligibility back so he doesn't have to sit a season. He can just play immediately. But I want to give a shout-out to Justin Fields for transferring from Georgia to Ohio State. And my final shout-out is to Clemson, Alabama, which will be the fourth straight year that they have met in the playoffs, three being in the national title game. And, of course, obviously looking forward to Clemson evening the score 2-2. Two to two. Here we have it. We've had some predictions coming from you. You already picked the Chiefs to represent in the AFC in the Super Bowl, and you also picked Clemson to win the national championship, and we are not even five minutes into the show yet. So this is going to be an exciting episode. And we're going to keep it rolling right now by recapping the bowl season. Uh, The bowls are all over except for the national championship. 
And one of the big topics of conversation amongst bowl watchers and college football fans is the idea of how the Power Five specifically, but other conferences as well, but how the conferences do in the bowl season. And right now I'm just going to quickly read off the records of each of the conferences. We had the ACC going 5-5 five and five with one canceled game. We'll get to that later. The SEC went 6-5. and five. The Big Ten went 5-4. and four. The Big 12 went 4-3. and three. And the Pac-12 was the only conference with a losing record at 3-4. and four. But honestly, when I look at those numbers, and I'll get your opinion on this in a second, it's not like in years past where you have a super dominant conference like the SEC has been in the past or the ACC that one year where we just tore it up in the bowl season. Or on the flip side, the Pac-12, I believe, winning one or maybe two games last year and having just a god-awful record. This year, it's been a little more back and forth with teams punching each other in the mouth and another one countering it from the same conference. So it's been a really interesting bowl season. I'm glad that the SEC can't continue to chant for their conference because ultimately everyone did about the same this year. Uh, I I would agree. I I thought it was very, it was, they were pretty much equal. Considering that I did personally believe that the ACC was down this year, because that's that would be the conference of choice for myself. Uh, I was very happy that they went five and five, and now there's one final game to where if Clemson pulls it out, then we're looking at six and five, and the SEC, who gets all the credit, is looking at six and six. Yeah, it's very interesting to see how the conferences are lining up, but what I want to do now is actually take a look at some of the bowl games I felt were worth at least mentioning for maybe just a few seconds, or if we want to park and talk on it for a minute. I made a list of a few games, and we're going to go through them real quick. The first game I want to mention was the Army Obliteration of Houston, 70-14. to That is a big blow for that Houston program. They fired their coach after that, after only two seasons, and It really looks like the momentum they were trying to carry from those seasons past where they had some really good records and were, you know, the representative of the group of five teams. It looks like Houston is going downhill really fast. Uh, It definitely looks that way. Um, And any team that can put up 70 points in a bowl game, not saying I've ever seen that before, but obviously that's a... That's rough on Houston's part. Right. You've never seen 70 in a bowl game. I find that hard to believe. I've I've seen it before, but that team that gave up 70 has turned it around. Yeah. Yeah. If you you know, you know. The next game I want to mention is the Boston College-Boise State game, which was the first game in bowl history to be canceled. That kind of sucked because that game was being held. I forget exactly where it was being held, actually. Was it being held in Texas or am I crazy? I thought it was in Texas. Either way, it's not being held near Boston College or Boise, Idaho. And those fans traveled so far to watch a game at noon or 1 o'clock. It was an early kickoff. And by 3.30, the game was canceled due to rain and bad weather and stuff like that. And I just find it hard to believe that the referees and whoever else was on a council to have the game canceled didn't do their due diligence because you could have waited that out. I mean, that's the first ever bowl game to be canceled. And I, I really would hope that they did. I mean, obviously, both schools traveled a long way. Boise probably traveled you know, pretty good. But I would hope that at least all four of the Boston College fans did get their money back. Yeah. The next game I want to touch on is the Washington State narrow win against Iowa State. And really what I want to do is talk about Washington State and see what do we think they would have done if they would have replaced, say, Oklahoma or Notre Dame. I believe against Clemson, they would have put up a better showing than Notre Dame did. It's not really hard to figure out, just being able to pass the ball. 
I think that they probably had a little bit better defense in Notre Dame. But at the same time, they did lose that final game to Washington, did not play in the Pac-12 championship game, and of course didn't deserve it. If they would have went against Alabama, I don't know that they would have ever stopped Alabama about like Oklahoma really struggled. I mean, they made a few stops in the second half. But I believe Alabama would have manhandled them. Clemson would have beat them fairly easy. But, you know, like I said, it had been a little more competitive than Notre Dame was. Yeah. I think it's interesting because Washington State is a really talented team, and I'm just glad that they ended up getting a win at the end of their season. Gardner Minshew, he was a never really in the Heisman discussion until the very end, but it really was a two-horse race plus Dwayne Haskins. So he was never in consideration. But I am glad that he finished up on top because he was a heck of a player for Washington State and really showed out this season in particular. The next game I want to talk about, and I'm going to let you start off with, is the LSU-UCF game, and I know you have a few opinions about this game. Well, I I didn't really think that LSU was necessarily the greatest matchup for Central Florida. I thought that Central Florida had a chance to beat LSU, but the fact that LSU did beat them, and really beat them a little bit worse than the score showed, as far as they pulled ahead by a larger margin in the second half, uh, was very glad to see it because I just really was not interested in another year of Central Florida making fake championship ranks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I honestly, if you want to look at me honestly, I think UCF probably would have pulled this game out if they had McKenzie Milton because the one thing that was holding them back that game was their passing game. And it wasn't all terrible. Obviously, they put up 32 points. One of those was a result of a pick six, but... I think McKenzie Milton is a gamer. He's a great college quarterback. I don't think he was NFL material, but I do believe that he might have been able to lead that team to a victory. But you never know. You can't play the might-have-happened game. So we're just going to move on to the next game, which is Kentucky-Penn State. I really don't want to talk about this game too much. It's the SEC getting a win over Penn State. And really, I just wanted to mention how how far Penn State had dropped. And I also believe that in that game, Penn State quarterback Trace McSorley was injured and missed the rest of his final college game. You hate to see that for anyone. I was a huge McSorley fan. I didn't think he was anything special, but I felt he was a really gritty player. And uh, you hate to see it for him. But Kentucky did get the win in that game. And I picked correctly. I did pick Kentucky in that one. Uh, Now, I personally would have picked Penn State if I would have picked the game. Not sure if I actually went on records and picked it, but I would have been wrong. But as far as Penn State, my honest opinion is, all I have to say is Saquon Barkley. Look at what they were last year, and then look at what he's done in the NFL. No, the Giants aren't winning, but it's not because of Barkley. Mm -hmm. You can't deny what he's done, and I really hate that the Colts didn't pick him up. But with that being said, I'm very happy with the Colts' draft picks. Quentin Nelson is really good. But anyway, this is college football talk, not pro football talk. The next game, the next to last game we're going to talk about in the regular bowl season is the Ohio State win 28-23 over the Washington Huskies. And really what we're going to be talking about is Urban Meyer's final game and the lack of progression and almost regression of Jake Browning. Jake Browning. I don't know why I almost said Jake Bentley. Yeah, wrong guy. But no, that game was, uh, it was a lot closer than I might have expected. I really thought Ohio State was going to pull out all the stops and was going to absolutely rock Washington. Not that Washington is a bad team by any means, and they showed that they can hang with Ohio State for a little bit, but I figured in Urban Meyer's last game, with all the talent Ohio State had, it would have been a lot not closer of a game, further away of a game. But either way, Ohio State wins. Urban Meyer goes out a winner, and you hate to see a guy 
leave a program due to those circumstances because of that cyst in his head, and he said that it was really taking a toll on his body, and he just can't coach anymore. I, I felt like Ohio State was a much more talented team than Washington. Uh, I do believe that Browning has been a major disappointment since his freshman year when he lit it up, led him to the playoffs uh, for the last three years. He's not impressed. I was a little concerned with Ohio State just for the simple fact that they had Urban Meyer's last game going for them. They're a lot more talented than Washington going for them, but it was also a team that was left out of the playoffs, and a lot of times a team that has their bubble busted does not necessarily show up for a bowl. And I think it was kind of evident the fact that Washington was able to come back and make it a close game. You don't want to discredit Washington for that, but at the same time, like you said, an Ohio State team who was expect not expecting to make the playoff, but did almost everything they could to make a playoff, didn't get in. And really any other year of the college football playoff would have made it in. You know, this was a very unique season where we had three undefeated teams instead of one. You know, I feel like if it was any other year, this Ohio State team would have been in. Well, off the subject, but uh, as far as that goes, I think that the committee has voiced themselves very loud. This is just a personal opinion, but do not get blown out by a lesser opponent. I think that is the main reason, or that is what's kept Ohio State out now a couple of years. It was a huge loss against Iowa, where you were blown out, and it was a blowout loss against Purdue. We know other teams have lost, but they were not necessarily in blowout fashion. It was very close games. Mm Mm-hmm. The last game I want to mention really quickly is the Texas 28-Georgia 21 game. That was a fun game to watch. I didn't get to catch all of it because I was at work, but I did get to see most of the second half and then the final bit of the game. And It was a really entertaining one for sure, but Texas did come out on top. That's a very, not necessarily underrated Texas team, but that's a very gritty and tough Texas team to beat. And Georgia's probably one of the top four best teams in the nation if you look at it as a whole, but in this game, Texas was just better. And credit to Sam Ellinger and the rest of the Longhorns who pulled it out. I would agree with everything you said. I felt like Georgia was one of the best four teams. I don't believe that they deserve to be in the playoffs based on two losses, including what I believe might have been a 20-point loss to LSU. I'm not sure. It wasn't pretty. It was close to 20. So I believe that 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 meant Georgia didn't belong, although they were one of the four best teams in my opinion. But after this Texas loss... Georgia fans have nothing to complain about. Uh, They played where they should have and still didn't produce. And one of the things, just real quickly, that I don't like people talking about in terms of the playoff is, well, Georgia's clearly one of the four best teams. How can you not put them in? Doesn't the regular season have to mean something, right? If you can't beat that LSU team, who is a solid LSU team, but it's not a Georgia-caliber LSU team. You lost to a lesser team. You didn't make your conference championship game. Plus, you had two losses in the regular season. You did make your conference championship game. That's where your second loss came from, excuse me. But there is no world in which Georgia plays that schedule and deserves to get in, ever. And it's not that Georgia isn't deserving based on what they have, but it's based on what they did. And the regular season has to mean something. But people nowadays want to expand the playoff and make it not mean something, what the regular season is. Or they want to just say, well, obviously they're in because look at how good Georgia is. Totally agree. But moving on from teams who didn't make the playoff to the four teams in the playoff, we want to go over what occurred in the two playoff games uh, over the last weekend. And the first game we will be talking about, since it happened first, was the Notre Dame versus Clemson game. Final score of 30-3, to and I'm going to hand it over to you for your first thoughts. 
strong opinion on this one. Notre Dame was not one of the best four teams in the country. However, when you go 12-0, and they deserve to be in. They should have been the number three seed, right as they were. That does not mean that they were the third best team. And as a Clemson fan, I would look forward to playing Notre Dame, and, well, it played out pretty close to what I thought it could have. Uh, as far as Clemson, just I really believe, personal opinion with the weekend schedule, that Clemson seems to go through the regular season now. It, it reminds me a lot of me playing NCAA video games that I know that they take every game serious. I'm very aware that you cannot overlook an opponent, but how bored do you get when you're clearly that much better than your opponents? And they step into the playoffs and yet another year where they have blown out an opponent, whether you go back to Oklahoma four years ago, you go back to Ohio State, I believe three years ago, now Notre Dame this year, and as far as Alabama last year, Alabama was just better than Clemson, so that's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this game was really interesting. I know the big storyline of the game, which we'll touch on a little bit later as well, was the suspension of Dexter Lawrence, along with Braden Galloway and the other players missing me. He doesn't play. I apologize for not knowing your name, man. But I really didn't think that the Dexter Lawrence absence was going to have a huge impact on this game. I felt that we had a very talented defensive line and defense in general to where we could stop Notre Dame's rushing attack for the most part. Obviously, they're going to run on us, and if you don't have that huge guy in the middle, there is going to be a drop-off, but I knew Albert Huggins and the other backups could do just fine, and it turned out to be all right, but what I was most impressed with was Trevor Lawrence connecting with Justin Ross. Uh, I've been saying this throughout the season that I don't think Justin Ross is necessarily better than T. Higgins right now, but I do think long-term Justin Ross is the future at Clemson, and T. Higgins is the future part two, or the future B at Clemson, to where those two together are going to make an unbelievable combo for the next year or so, depending on if T. Higgins decides to go to the draft early or not. But unbelievable performance by the offense. And again, though, we had the slow start in the first quarter to where it looked like it was going to be a lot closer of a game. It was a 3-3 first quarter score. We exploded in the second quarter, and then after that, we kind of just cruised through the second half. But I've got to give a shout-out to Clemson where credit is due, and credit really is due to the defense and to the defensive secondary, which has been a problem throughout the season that I know you've talked about a lot personally. Yes. All right, the next game we're going to talk about is the other game, Alabama 45, Oklahoma 34. Um, If I'm being honest, I think my prediction, I can't remember off the top of my head, I posted them on Instagram because I knew we weren't going to have a show but I think I actually got pretty close to my prediction. I'm going to pull those up really quick, but if you want, you can give a few thoughts on the game while I'm pulling up these predictions so we can look back and see what we did on these games. Uh, my thoughts is I, I'm, I'm actually a little bit impressed with Oklahoma that they were able to score 34 points. I don't know how much of that was a result of Alabama building a 28-point lead, which... You know, Oklahoma had everything to fight for to come back, and Alabama played probably a little bit more laid back. But that being said, got to give Kyler Murray credit and the Oklahoma offense. CeeDee Lamb made a lot of plays. Uh, Oklahoma, like I said, they they look good. I didn't think that they would really score no more than 21 points, and I believe I looked for Alabama to beat them by about 20-something points. I'm not sure. But either way, Alabama still 
build an early lead and they coasted to victory fairly easy. Mm-hmm. Especially early because the Alabama jumped out to that 28 nothing lead so quickly it looked like Oklahoma was absolutely done. But then you start looking at the box score numbers and obviously that doesn't tell the tale of the tape. Alabama ended up winning and it really wasn't a stressful game for them. But if you take out that 28 to nothing start, after that it was 10-3, 10-0, 14-14, advantage Oklahoma. Oklahoma actually outscored Alabama and stopped Alabama a few times. That being said, like I said, they put up 45 points, but that Oklahoma defense really did kind of lock down Alabama after the first 28 points. They only scored 17 the rest of the second quarter through the end of the game. So props to Oklahoma for showing Clemson what might need to be done in order to slow down Alabama. I don't believe anyone's going to stop them. I don't think Clemson's going to stop Alabama necessarily, but I do think that we have a really good blueprint, thanks to Oklahoma and other teams uh, later in the season against Alabama, to at least show signs of stopping them. Uh, And like you mentioned, Oklahoma put up those really good numbers. Shout out to Kyler Murray, his rushing yards too, because he had over 100 rushing yards. That's what you need. You need a quarterback who can run around and throw the ball. And I think Trevor Lawrence has the ability to scramble a little bit, maybe take a few designed runs as long as he doesn't get his lanky self knocked out like he did in Syracuse, but he also has the ability to make the unbelievable throws that we've seen him make and we've seen Tua make all season. But it was a very interesting game, but it's kind of played out how at least I sort of expected. Looking at our predictions really quickly, um, for the Clemson game, you had Clemson winning 31-20, to and I had them winning 27-21. to So we both thought Notre Dame would put up a little bit more of a fight, but we both predicted about the same amount of points for Clemson. You were obviously one point off. I was three points off. So kind of on the same page as far as the Clemson offense goes. And then the Alabama game, you had the score at 48-21, to and I had the score at 49-34. to So I hit Oklahoma's 34 right on the head, and then both of us were within three to four points of Alabama's score. So the teams we're most familiar with, Clemson and Alabama here recently, We pretty much had them nailed down for this game, so we will take that as a moral victory. So moving on, what we want to do now is actually talk just a tad more about the future matchup coming up, Clemson versus Alabama. And again, I feel like I've been talking a lot, so I'm going to throw it to you. Give me some thoughts on the future match coming up this Monday night. I think the closer it gets, I'm really starting to lean toward Clemson. Uh, I know a lot has to do with my heart. It is always hard to pick a game when you root for a team, but... The seniors on this team that chose to come back came back for a reason. And the same motivation that Alabama had last year against Clemson, it showed up as they thoroughly dominated us. I don't think we would have scored if we would have played four more quarters as far as a touchdown. But this year, I I like what our defense is doing. I thought that they were flying all over the field against Notre Dame. And if the secondary continues to cover and play in position the way they looked. I really believe that this will be a Clemson victory. Uh, Obviously, Trevor Lawrence is going to be facing the best defense that he's ever faced before, and this will be the biggest pressure that he's ever been in before. But if he has to make the throws, if Justin Ross and T. Higgins decide to go up and make plays the way they did against Notre Dame, and of course the way they've done many times before, then I, I, I really like our chances. As far as a score, I may have to get back with you in a minute because I really haven't put a whole lot of thought into a score other than I'm feeling really good about the Tigers. 
I am leaning more towards an Alabama victory, as much as I hate to say it, just because of the talent they have on offense and the fact that they're still as good defensively as they've ever been. It's going to be the toughest defense that Trevor Lawrence has ever had to face. I don't think he's going to be rattled, but I do think it's going to be a very tough game on him, especially early. And I could see us being down in the first quarter or in the first half by two touchdowns or so. And I could see us trying to claw back, but ultimately losing by about a field goal in the same way that we lost the first national championship to where we looked down and out early, but we started clawing back. And if given enough time, we probably would have won that game. Like I said, we can't look back and say this would have happened because it didn't happen. But I could see a similar situation to where ultimately we lose by about three or four points. Uh, right where Vegas has the line at this point. I know it started with a six and a half point Alabama favorite. It's moved to about a four and a half point favorite, but I think there are ways Clemson can win. And obviously I want them to win, but it's going to start with us opening up a dynamic passing attack and getting Trevor Lawrence to move outside the pocket. Not a lot, but just enough to make the Alabama defense worried. But then the running game will have to be fueled by our passing game. I would agree. All right, so we've given our Clemson-Alabama preview, so I'm going to go ahead and ask for the final score of the game. I said mine was going to be about a three- or four-point game. I could see it being a little bit lower scoring, so I'm going to give it a 34-31 to 31 final score. Well, we are not very far off. I'm actually going with Clemson, 31-Alabama, 27. All right, there you have it. Those are our picks for the Clemson-Alabama game coming up this Monday night. We'll definitely be tuning in, and I would love to hear anybody else's predictions and thoughts on the game. So if you have anything like that, feel free to leave them in the comments for us. Quickly now, we want to move on to another football topic, talking about the NFL wildcard games coming up this season. We don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it, but we do want to give predictions and outlooks on the rest of the NFL playoffs, just because it's relevant information. Neither of us keep up with the NFL as much as we do college football. I watch a good amount. I know you don't get to watch as much just because you're working and doing other things. So we know that it's not always possible to be fully versed in everything sports unless it's what you do for a living. But we do have all right insight about the games. And I'm going to let you start off with the first game, the Colts at the Texans being played on Saturday afternoon. Very impressed with the Texans, the way they played this year. Uh, very impressed with Deshaun Watson. But Andrew Luck, to me, has definitely been hot as of late. The Colts have been hot as of late. And I'm probably going to have to pick the Colts. And I'm not really sure who's favored in this game. Uh, I would have thought that the Texans would have been a slight favorite. But I believe I had overheard somebody say that the Colts are actually a slight favorite. So I guess I'm not really predicting an upset if I believe the Colts will win in a very close game. I really want to pick with my heart here. I'm a Colts fan. I've been a Colts fan since I've actually decided to keep up with the NFL. They have a very underrated defense this season. They've been flying around the field. They're young. They're athletic. They're ball hawks. And shout out to Darius Leonard, who is the second round rookie out of South Carolina State, who led the NFL in tackles. And he missed a game this season. So big shout out to you. He didn't even make the Pro Bowl. But regardless of that, Deshaun Watson 
and Nuke Hopkins are a very dynamic offensive duo. Obviously, they have a solid run game, but they do have an absolutely terrible offensive line. Combo that with their defense, who is has the chance to be a very good defense, but has kind of underwhelmed this season. I know they went on the big winning streak in the middle part of the season, but it's almost like the Texans started just meh, went on a really hot streak, and then ended rather cold, while the Colts started off just awful, but ended the season so, so hot. I'm actually going to pick the Colts in this game. I think it'll be decently close, but I could see it being about a touchdown game. But if it was a close game, I trust both quarterbacks, but give me Andrew Luck, who I believe is a top five quarterback in this league already, and eventually could be the best quarterback in the NFL. The second game we're going to move on to is in the NFC. We have the Seattle Seahawks at the Dallas Cowboys. I'm going to struggle a little bit more on this one. I have not really had a chance to watch the Seahawks play this year. It's going to be very difficult to make a prediction on it. But the Russell Wilson that I know, the Seahawks offense, I believe, like I said, the the team that I have known, uh, solid on offense, good on defense. I don't have a whole lot of confidence in Prescott as a quarterback. Obviously, adding Cooper was a huge addition. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, I believe, is a special running back. And, of course, I believe the Dallas offensive line, assuming there's no injuries, is a very good offensive line. That being said, I believe I'm going to go with another road upset, and I'm going to take the Seahawks by seven over the Cowboys. I hate doing these picks because we don't talk about it beforehand, so I really don't know what you're going to say and you don't know what I'm going to say, but I'm also going to go with Seattle for the simple fact that in the NFL playoffs, I believe that coaching and quarterbacks wins you games, and I think that Seattle has the better coach right now in Pete Carroll, and I definitely believe they have the better quarterback in Russell Wilson, who has been absolutely unbelievable this season. So I'm going to give it to the Seahawks, even though I like what Dallas is doing, especially on the defensive end of the ball. I just don't think Dak Prescott can get it done yet. I do blame him for a decent amount of their struggles, not all of it. I'm not the hugest Dak fan, but I will admit that he's looked a lot better since he's had a playmaker and Amari Cooper on the outside. But regardless of that, I don't know if he'll be able to get it done in the playoffs right now. The third game we have on the slate is the Chargers playing at the Ravens. We have the San Diego Chargers, who are a very, very hot team right now. Actually would have had the number one seed in the AFC if it wasn't for the Chiefs being in their division with just a hair better of a record. So the Chargers are a very tough team, but the Ravens, with their hard-nosed defense and Lamar Jackson and the running game just pounding the rock, they know exactly who they are. So I'm going to give it to you real quick. I know I gave a little preview, but what do you think is going to happen in this game? Glad to see that they have gone with Lamar Jackson. I know he got in based on injuries, but uh, I, I think that is a rookie quarterback that I believe can do special things. He's extremely talented. You know, it, it, a lot of people don't believe in him, but he was a player for several years, for what, three years for Louisville, and that was not a very good Louisville team, especially his last two years. He was the only weapon on the team and continued to at least play pretty solid. That being said, I'm going to go with the road team a third time, which is something I do not like doing. I'm going to go with the Chargers. I like a lot about this San Diego team, so I'm I'm going to go ahead and pick the Chargers, and I think the Chargers will win by about a touchdown. 
I'm actually going to go with the Ravens in this game as much as I'm not a Lamar Jackson fan. I don't hate the guy personally, of course, but I'm not a fan of his play style in the NFL. I don't think it's going to work long term. I think he'll be okay for two or three seasons, but I don't know if he'll be able to develop enough as a passer. But right now, the Ravens have an identity. It is pound the rock. And it is play hard-nosed defense. And these teams actually met up in the regular season a few weeks ago when the Chargers were on fire and the Ravens stomped them out. So I'm actually going to pick the Ravens to beat them again, even though the Chargers are going to have revenge on their minds. I don't know what it is about the Chargers in the playoffs. I just don't know if I trust them, even though their offense is very talented this year. And they also have Derwin James at safety, who's been killing it as a rookie this year. Also, real quick, shout out to Mike Williams, who's been having a very solid season as their number two receiver in San Diego. Excuse me, Los Angeles. I think we've been saying San Diego the whole time. Yes, we have. My bad. That is going to be tough to to fix. Anyway, the last game we're dealing with is the Eagles at the Bears. Nick Foles versus Mitch Trubitsky. I know that's the quarterback matchup everyone's looking forward to. Eagles had a great run last year. I can't have a better run than a Super Bowl championship. Uh, I still believe they're very talented. They have underachieved this year, but I'm going to have to just say it, the Bears. I'm finally going to pick a home team. This Chicago defense is extremely good. have been very impressive. They've got the best defensive player in the league, and I'm, I'm just going to have to go with the Bears in a pretty low-scoring game, but I think the Bears will win by double digits. I'm rolling with Foles. I don't know what it is about this Eagles team, But whenever he comes into play, they turn into a different beast. Nick Foles, when he's played for the Eagles in games that would have led to elimination otherwise, whether it be from playoff contention or the playoffs themselves, Nick Foles turns up and is unbelievable. I don't think the Eagles are coming close to the Super Bowl this year. That's not what I'm saying. But I think against Mitch Trubisky, who I don't really trust yet, I think he can develop into someone solid, maybe an average starter in the NFL. I do want to think that the Eagles will pull out this game just due to their experience from last season and the way this team transforms when Nick Foles is in the game. It's night and day, and I don't know what it is because Carson Wentz is more talented, I believe, because we've seen what Nick Foles has done everywhere else when he was with the Rams and the Chiefs. He was a backup. He couldn't even win a starting job, and obviously he's the backup here, but whenever he comes into this Eagles team, something changes, and I'm going to ride that at least this week, until they meet up with their next team next week. But I'm going to pick the Eagles in this game. So I think each of us picked three road games, which is kind of crazy in the NFL playoffs. So I'm curious to see how that works out. But those are our picks for the NFL games. To wrap up the podcast today, I want to do something a little bit different and a little bit new to what we've been doing here on the show. As we attempt to grow our show and attempt to grow our audience, what I want to do is involve any of you who actually take the time out of your day to listen to what we have to say. You know, we don't expect this to become some national show or even some recognized show in general. We just do it because I know personally I enjoy it. I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. But what I want to start doing is having fans submit questions so that way we can just have a few different topics to talk about at the end of the show. Maybe just two or three fan questions. Obviously, we don't have any this week. I came up with a question that I'm going to ask you and then briefly talk about. We'll only spend a minute or two on it. But if you would like to get a question submitted, the best way to do that would to be download the app Anchor. 
I mentioned it earlier in the podcast, but this is how we're producing our podcast and uploading and sharing them now. And you can listen to our podcast on Anchor. But what you can also do is go to the podcast page for Monroe's Ice, and the link will be in the bio of my Instagram and my Twitter and stuff like that too. But what you can do is actually submit a voice recording question to which we will receive that and be able to input it and play it in the next episode of the podcast so you can have your voice heard because I know that you definitely want to be recognized among the 40 listeners or however we get over the course of a few weeks. But that'll be a great way for you to interact with us so that way we can actually see who's interested in our content and who wants us to keep going. So if you have a question for us, whether it's about the Clemson-Alabama game or it could be something completely random, maybe talking about North Carolina basketball's chances in the tournament. Anything like that, feel free to leave us a question. But to end this this episode, what I want to do is ask the question about expansion in the college football playoff. What are your thoughts on it? And we don't have to go in-depth because I know we haven't spent a lot of time thinking about it. But do you think we should expand? And do you think it will expand whether you believe it should or not? I believe that they really do need to expand to eight. Uh, All those that were in favor of going from two to four, we're definitely in a situation to where we always want more. But realistically, how low do you have to finish when you're not really a threat or you don't deserve to win a national championship? I do think that eight teams do belong because if we start reaching a situation to where you've got two or three one-loss teams, and you have to decide who should make it based on an eye test, that's, that's just really not fair to leave certain teams out. So I, I just I think eight. And, and one thing I'm going to mention, if they do the eight, I know that the first thing they're going to do is say that the five Power Five conference champions will make it, and then there'll be a three at-large. I'm not the biggest fan of that necessarily, or at least to throw something in it, to where if you have... You've got to come up with something to where if you have three losses, if you finish out 10-3 and three and win the conference, you don't make it. We don't need a three-loss champion from a conference to be representing in the final eight. That's one of the biggest arguments I've heard for expansion is the fact that conferences aren't represented. But then you give that example of, let's take this year, what if Clemson lost to Pittsburgh? and Pittsburgh was your representative in the or in the college football playoff under that system, or if Northwestern would have beaten Ohio State, neither of those teams are going to be national championship contending teams, period. They're not. They had one good game, and they're probably going to get smoked in the next one, and they don't deserve to be there. But with that being said, I am not an 18 playoff guy. If you want to expand, I like the number six, because... It puts more emphasis on the regular season to perform well because you're fighting for something. You're fighting for that first round buy of the 1-2 seed, and then it still gives more teams opportunities to make the playoff. Because if you really want to narrow it down, this season was a good example to where you didn't even need a four-team playoff because every single person in the nation pretty much knew who was going to make it from the beginning of the season. Then you watch the regular season, and there were only two teams that had no question marks, and it was Alabama and it was Clemson. So if you're looking to expand the playoffs and let in more teams who can be your Notre Dames of the world or the Oklahomas who a lot of people didn't have faith in, then you're going to be adding 
the next four teams who were what? Ohio State, Georgia, Washington State, and I'm missing one. Was it LSU or was it Central somebody Florida. else? Central Florida. Are those teams even really contenders? I know Georgia, everyone said they were, and I believe Georgia was one of the four best. But then you're throwing in a bunch of teams who are just kind of useless to the conversation. But if you had the six-team playoff format, Clemson and Alabama get buys, and then you have, I'm not going to put specific numbers on the matchup, but then you have Oklahoma and Washington State playing, and Ohio State and Georgia playing. All of that is super interesting, because Washington State gets their shot to prove they deserve to be in. Georgia's not automatically left out, because we know they're one of the best teams. And then you still get Ohio State, who everyone believed was up there, but didn't quite deserve it. And then you had Oklahoma. I feel like that's a really good way to get those four teams into the playoff. I also realize now that I left Notre Dame out completely. That's my bad. But you get my idea. I'm a 16 guy if you want to expand, but I think that you will have more problems created than problems solved. Because imagine the fight for the 7-8 spot between all of those two lost teams at the bottom who are going to say, well, we did just as much as them, and they didn't win their conference, and we didn't. Why aren't we in? There will be even more arguments than things proven, I believe. And I think that's correct, because all you have to do is look at the NCAA basketball. And what do we always talk about? The last four teams out. And they're saying, we should have made it. But yet, you're not a contender. So, I agree with Andrew. Uh, I personally was, like I said, I, he, he mentioned he threw that question at me. I had not given it a whole lot of thought. I thought the argument was four versus eight just because of no buys. But I actually do like the 16 playoff, too, because it, it rewards the top two teams. And there again, it could be subjective of the third place team saying, oh, wait a minute, we're one of the two best teams. But that's going to happen every year, every scenario. There is going to be an argument. And with that, we're going to leave you guys. If you made it this far, thank you so much for listening. Like I said, we're going to be cranking these out in a better format and a more available listening area for you guys. I would recommend listening on Spotify. They have free podcast listening. You don't even have to be a premium member. And I just love everything about what Spotify does with their interface. But if you don't have an app to listen on, definitely go to either Spotify or Anchor. Look up Anchor on the App Store. Leave us some messages and we might answer your questions in the next episode. Or just give us a follow. Give us a like. Anything you can. But anyway, guys, we thank you so much for listening. See y'all later. Later, guys.